Welcome to the Get More Success Show. He's a guy who never measured a man's success by the size of his wife. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! It's showtime. 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 It's showtime. Showtime! And now, here is your host, Warwick Merry. Welcome to another episode of the Get More Success Show. I'm delighted today to be joined with John Yo. John, welcome to the show. Thank you, Warwick. Now, for those of you who don't know, John Yo is a man of many talents, a, a pure Renaissance man. He's more probably most well known for being the. I'm not sure the the correct is it the licensee? Is that yes, right? The yes. licensee of TEDx Melbourne, but also runs Bright Star Consulting. Uh, and is part of the faculty for the slow learning? Slow school. Slow, slow school. school. So. <laughs> a little bit different to slow learning. <laughs> that's, that's more me after a big weekend. Um, so I'm going to start by asking yep. the question I ask everyone who comes on the show. Yep. How do you define success? Oh, I, I borrowed this one off, off uh, who was it? Uh, is it Earl Nightingale, I think. Is it the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. Oh, that's fantastic. I think that's probably one of the most deepest responses we've had so far. What's that again? The progressive realisation of a worthy ideal. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And so how long have you been working towards that definition of success? Look, I, I think um, to have that, to apply that exact phrase to it's probably since about 2005. Right. But I, I have a habit of overthinking and over. I'm a bit of an anal perfectionist, right? To my detriment in 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 many an instance. But uh, so you could, I guess, you could argue it's kind of how I roll. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, so you've been running or been a licensee now of yep. TEDx Melbourne for how many years? It's been some time. Two thousand and nine. Two thousand nine. So that's yes. we're up to seven years. Yep, seventh year this year. Man, Lucky that's seven. Fantastic. Yeah. And it's really evolved over time. Yeah, I was involved with some of the early on stuff. Way back when. Way back when. Way back and when. then some of the more recent stuff where yep. we're now in a huge auditorium. You're getting some big names and it's yep. just fantastic. Yes. Um, so would you say that you that TEDx Melbourne is a success for you? I, I, look, I'm very proud of it. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm very proud in particular of the team that's put this all together. Because like myself, we're all voluntary. Mm. So we're doing this for the love of it. And... Obviously, when you're doing it, there, there's a different meaning and, and outcome for individuals when they choose to participate in something like that. So there's a real sense of achievement and camaraderie when that happens. So I'm lucky enough to meet and work with some of the smartest people in town, both on stage and behind the scenes, to get this stuff going. And, and as you said, you, know, you were involved way back when. I mean, I inherited it with 53 people on a mail list. And it was a friend of a friend's... Um, she was the original founder right. and uh, she had decided that year whether she was going to do the next TEDx Melbourne or her wedding. And so ironically, when I got the list, it was actually mostly her friends and people I knew. And but today it's, you know, it's probably, you know, in the up to 10,000 people on that mail list now. And, you know, our events sell out probably 1300 seat auditorium, which is our last one, which we capped it. Um, half those seats sold out in the first hour and the rest will sell out in the next you know, one or two weeks yeah. or so. That's phenomenal. So, yeah. So, so I'm really interested. So how did you how did you get involved with the the TEDx movement? Let's sure. Actually, let's take a step back. Yep. Um, a lot of people have heard about TED, but there's still some who haven't. So can you explain sure, to me sure. what is TED? Yes. And then what is TEDx? Good question. 
Good question. So uh, twice a year, Ted has a four. Well, they're they're quote unquote proper. I call it that. You know, their main events um, began out of California, um, have since moved to Canada for their main event. Um, and then they run what's called a global event, which moves around. And that's their second event. Um, so the last one, you know, was in Rio and, you know, they've been in uh, Europe and they've been in, the, you know, the UK and Scotland. And so, so that one moves about. So they're the two main TED events that everyone knows and loves. Then there's the TEDx events, which are independently licensed events. So we're granted a license, but there's very close scrutiny over how we manage that brand and brand experience, where X stands for an independently organized event. So I generate and create my own TED-like experiences in Melbourne, and I have, I have license to do that. Okay. So um, now, now TED's tagline is ideas worth spreading. Yes. But what does TED stand for? Because that actually stands yeah, for something, it doesn't does. it? it does. It does. It, it originally began as a, an amalgamation of, of three separate industries, technology, entertainment, and design. Right. And obviously, well, way back then, that was pretty much all it focused on. But obviously now, these days, it's got anything, you know, philanthropists, actors, authors, <laughs> It's you amazing know. what you can sneak into yeah, technology, yeah, entertainment, or design. Yeah, exactly. We're designing a new way to raise money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, fantastic. So... What led you to get involved in it? Because because yep. TED originally was was a closed door, like it was only yes. it's only for the the special few, wasn't it? Well, I mean, way back when it was simply because of the auditorium it was by invitation, but that's that's that TED's been around for over thirty years and it hasn't held that model for most of it. Right. Uh, it is first in best dress, but mm. I, I admit it's not necessarily the cheapest conference to get to, mm. um, and that's simply because supply and demand mm. um, and in order to create the quality of connections and interaction intimacy I think the small events work better personally you know, when, when our events were 500 I actually liked enjoyed them more than they are now but you can't do that. You can't exclude people. Yeah, and and but and also the presentations are different as well because conferences yeah. and stuff that I go to usually they've got forty five to ninety minutes and they're pontificating and yes. and moving everywhere and da da da. So tell me a bit about what are the what are the restrictions or the limitations or the guidelines for TED presentation? Sure. So uh, TED talks are talks. They're not speeches. They're not lectures. They're not lessons. They're not orations. So they're conversational nature. And so. You, uh, for example, you would never go to a dinner party, and, every, and you might not know, TED Talks are about 18 minutes approximately, some are a bit less. You would never sit down to a complete, next to a complete stranger at a dinner party and say, let me talk about myself for the next 18 minutes. <laughs> and so that's the biggest difference between a TED Talk and you know, any other speech, where it's usually coming from a position of, of either power or authority or experience or knowledge. So from the speaking point of view, that's the biggest distinction. And so we're not interested in the in who you are or uh, necessarily, and you know if you happen to have certain leadership, uh, formal leadership designations, we're less excited by that and much more interested in the idea. Mm -hmm. And what is the idea? Not because it's a great idea, but because it's it's an idea worth spreading. And my definition of that is really: would it be remarkable outside of your industry or area of expertise? Would people be excited by? that particular topic right that's that's the key from a present presenter's point of view yeah the conference itself and this is where it probably diversifies itself a little bit from a standard event if you go to i don't know a, an organizational event it's people in that organization if you go to an industry event obviously it's people from that industry ted is deliberately multidisciplinary 
So there's no one area of expertise that dominates or, or, or experience that dominates. And so the crowd is managed in that way and the speakers are managed in that way to make to create the most amount of dynamic between different ideas and different opinions and, and different passions and energies and areas of knowledge. So uh, how did you get involved with it? You said yeah. that you've inherited off someone who yeah. obviously went off to plan their wedding. Yeah. Uh, um, so how did you get involved? I've always loved ideas. Yeah. And uh, I would have, have dearly loved to have been the founder. And I, I, to be honest, I think they rejected my first application. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing, I'm guessing, I'm guessing. But that's what I vaguely remember. And so I, I got involved mostly because I knew some of the other organizers. And I realized very quickly that this is my tribe. You know how you, find, you, you find, suddenly find your space? And for me, it was you know clever people doing amazing things, excited by life and the, the possibility that great things can come out of it. And that's the overwhelming tone and intent for a general attendee, or a person who attends our events. And when you're in that type of community, the, the energy, the excitement, the focus, the passion really shines. And people can be their authentic selves. They can be there without being challenged. You know, there's no tall poppy syndrome. There's, not, there's none of that. And so it's a really, for me, it's a, it's a really exciting space to, to be, whether you're speaking to a person one-on-one -on -one as a speaker about what their idea might be, all the way to who's in the room and who could I meet. And, th and that's the thing, like uh, now with your the TEDx Melbourne events, you've got some fantastic crowd interaction stuff. Like there was yeah. some big blackboards and some uh, people putting ideas that other people would then turn into pieces of art and like yeah. so, some amazing stuff. So where do you source your speakers from? But mm -hmm. then also where do you source some of the crowd interactivity engagement stuff? Sure. I think we have a... I suspect that w w whether you're in a formal role or actually not, we tend to attract people who are naturally creative. You know, I've had creative lawyers come in and creative accountants come in. It's not, it's not by the industry or, you know, I'm in the arts, for instance. It's not that specific. But people who naturally think about the possibilities and, and are very well, uh, the word I like to use, educated it, you know, and passionate mm -hmm. and so though those that combination is really potent in terms of getting these little ideas to come about and so it's actually not that difficult to come up with creative things to do in the space because we actually have more ideas than we can execute on than the other way around in terms of finding people on stage it's it's a, a it's a combination of applications i get about 350 applications a year for 10 slots wow um because you must be like, because TED is well respected, particularly yeah. in the speaking community. So there's a lot of people who want to do it purely to say, "Oh, I've spoken to TED, and yeah. I'm a TED speaker." Yeah. Even though it's just a TEDx. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with TEDx, but but some people yep. have been known to stretch their marketing. Yes. Yeah. You know, other people. Yes. Um. So, you know, it would be there would be some people who are clearly not suited for your stage. Yep. But want that that accreditation, and so they're going to be. If not harassing you, let alone yeah. just putting an application in. Look, it sometimes happens. And, you know, it's, it's of those 350 people, um, based on their paper application alone, probably one in 20 will get a follow up from me. Right. Where we might, we'll explore that idea further. Of those people that get accepted, 30% of them will enter the speech development program, and 30% of them won't make it through the speech development program because it's very intensive. Yeah. It really challenges them their speaking uh capability and their idea and because uh, it is a challenge like to to get yeah. 
the guts of your idea in an informative, entertaining, educating manner yeah. under 18 minutes yeah. while standing in the one spot and not really moving a great deal. Yeah. Like, that's not an easy thing. There, there, there's a real... Uh, it's actually hard. I personally feel it's harder to do a short talk than it is a long talk. Yeah. Because if you lose someone in a longer talk, something else along the way will catch someone's attention and they'll come back. But if you've got only 18 minutes, you've really got to... You've got to really... You know, what I call smack them between the eyes. You've got mm. to really hold their attention. And there's this fine balance between education and engagement. And so we spend a lot of time talking about how they manage that balance. And in an 18-minute talk, you need to have it about 50-50. And so we talk about, well, how would you do that? How would you deliver that? How would you say that? Um, Would you do that in a visual way, an auditory way, a kinesthetic way? Different ways you can deliver those ideas, but in a way that keeps people connected with you. Mm. And the ability to hold, you know, the attention of 1,300 people is a real art Mm. in itself. Very much so. And and for some of these people who are presenting it's going to be the first time they've presented to a crowd that size more often than not and and that's a big crowd yeah it is a big crowd how do you go because you know you frequently will come on and give the warm-up and the welcome whatever yeah how did you go when you're first presenting to this 1300 people oh look i I, initially when i first stood up there i remember just feeling a bit surreal to be honest it was kind of like oh yeah, this is this is pretty, and then then I kind of got into it. I, I I'm a big believer in attitude, and you know, success is really around the attitude you have towards something, despite what's going on inside you. You, yes. know, you might have butterflies, you might have fear, you might have nervousness, and whatever happens, it's the way you respond to that that distinguishes the champion from the almost could have made it. Right, and I, I think that's a big distinction. And so we spend a lot of time preparing people for that. Although uh, about ninety percent of my speakers go, oh, I had no idea. I had no idea what we were really being asked to do. Um, but at least they didn't flounder, they didn't flap, they didn't panic, they didn't, you know, and so the crowd appreciate it. Now, our community, because as I mentioned, they tend to be optimistic. They want, they're interested in the great idea. They're very passionate. They're what I call a friendly crowd. So they're a little bit easier to manage from that point of view. So that does take the edge off the nervousness from a speaker point of view. But it, I mean, it still doesn't, you know... A good number of people, for for instance, in our last event, had never even spoken before. So, you know, getting them from there, you know, is, is a good chunk of work. Yeah, yeah, I could well imagine. Yeah. Hey, now there's more and more TEDx things popping up. Yes. Like we've had TEDx Docklands, TEDx Telstra. Yes. I think TEDx University of Melbourne. Yes. So, how does it? Is that competition, or is it? It's just someone else is doing something in a particular area that adds to it. Do they come to you for advice? How does how does yeah. that work for you? Yeah, I don't see it as competition. I um, anywhere the look, let, let's go back half a step. When I ask any crowd, how many of you have heard of Ted? Fifty percent of the audience, on average, have not heard of us. Right. So we could double tomorrow and still not saturate our market. It's all upside as far as I'm concerned. The more people that are aware of Ted and TEDx, the better. Mm. Do we collaborate and coordinate all the time? All the time. So Docklands, for instance, is actually my second in charge from my events for four and a half years. Right. Uh, she, Tracy, she's doing a wonderful job. She wanted to do the more intimate closed, uh, not closed, uh, intimate smaller events. And our event was growing at such a We grow about 30, 40% a year. So we can't really do lots of small events anymore. I'd like to do them, but it's harder to do. So she wanted to do that. So 
she found her way to do that. Um, we do collaborate. I have, I'm probably, uh, so our event's been around since 2009. We're less than 5% of the community that have been around for the almost the entire time that TEDx has existed. And we're probably one of the largest and longest running TEDx's in the world. So uh, there is a degree of um, expectation by the community and by TED that you help and support these up and coming people do amazing things. The fact is, there's no shortage of amazing ideas. Mm. And so, you know, if we can only put 10 or whatever so on stage, then there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds that could go on anyone else's stage. I'm not precious about that. <laughs> so what's next for TEDx Melbourne? Like you've, mm. your last event had about 1,400 people. Mm. Do you see a point where it's like, man, we just logistically, any more than 2,000 is just going to be too hard to get a venue, yeah. too hard. Like, you know, we don't want to be at the MCG with, you know, 100,000 people there, yeah. or, or maybe you do. So, yeah. so what does the future hold for TEDx yeah, Melbourne? Yeah, that's a great question. I would love to do a youth event. Running youth events are quite a bit more labor intensive than a standard event um uh, we have a partner who has a venue that holds eleven thousand people who said we could have it any time we decided to do that so Fantastic. you know we could go in in, in a, a thousand different directions so what we're doing at the moment is i've capped it at the 13 to 1400 simply because operationally to ask volunteers to give their time to set something like that up is getting a little bit unreasonable um, that operational model need, might need to change this year, but that's how we've run up until this point. What we're going to do in the meantime is work with strategic partners to do interesting things in areas of interest. So I'd love to do a youth event, as I mentioned. I'd love to do a, youth, a women's event. I would love to do a, a girls in particular. But girls in STEM in particular is one that is a topic that's not only interesting to me, but has huge demand and interest. So girls in STEM, that's science, technology, engineering, engineering and manufacturing. Man manufacturing. And okay. uh, a lot of people are starting to call it STEAM, which is right. arts in there okay. for the creative elements and the, and the uh, as in Ted, all the cross-disciplinary yes, yes. stuff. But when I say STEAM, a lot of people don't know what I'm talking about. It's like, <laughs> what do you mean STEAM? It's, it's boiling kettle, right? So um, so I, I usually okay. revert to STEM, but I actually mean STEAM. Yep, okay. Um, well, that sounds exciting. Yeah. So, um, uh, what do you need? Like, if there's, if you do, you need something to to help get you there. Like, if there's someone listening who has something yeah. that you want, that would yeah. What great do you question. need? Always need volunteers with technical capability and time. All right. Now, when you say technical capability, you mean AV, videography, lights, sound, that kind of stuff. Marketing, operations, uh, production, yep. staging, all that sort of stuff. Absolutely, all the time. Yep. Uh, particularly. People who are, uh, we're looking for team leaders in particular mm -hmm. um, because we, we're, we're, the team's got quite large now. So we've got so a lot. So how of, many on your team? So uh, core group's about 15, 20 now. And then the, the on the day is about 60. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's getting It's It's, it's getting full on. Like, yeah, on it's the day, there's there. just people everywhere. Yeah. And then your volunteers, just mar just getting people in is, is yeah. hard enough. Yeah. That, and that's one of our challenges with the venues we're currently as getting that. It takes 15 minutes to people bump in and bump out just, just to get them in and out of an auditorium, say a lunch break. Yeah. Um, always looking for partners. Love to do something creative and interesting. We're doing something. This is one thing that's probably talks to some of the things we're trying to do this year. Um, there's a lab out at uh, Ford. Um, it's, it's a private lab. You can't, people can't just wander in and go, go have a look and I said well I'd love to see it and they said well it's kind of a private space and I said well you know I, I know your manufacturing is leaving 
what are you doing for your talent pool in five to seven years? And they said, oh, we're, we're working on, on a couple of things. And I said, well, we work with a group called RoboGals, which encourages girls in year seven and eight to do STEM. Why don't we get them to do a, you know, a visit to that lab? And I'll work with um, one of the newspapers and we'll get a story about it, about Ford's commitment to girls in STEM. And they like the idea. Long story, we have access to the lab. So we're getting opportunities to, to create unique experiences for our community that they can't get anywhere else. Right. We're creating value to our partners that they wouldn't probably have access to before. And we get to create engagements throughout the year without people having to wait for our main event. Okay. So I think everyone wins from that type yeah, of Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. So if people want to find out more about TEDx Melbourne, how yeah. do they access that? So easiest way is tedxmelbourne.com. Right. So T-E-D-X-Melbourne.com. It's not the sexiest site. It was the one I built back in 2009. <laughs> I admit it's ugly. Uh, <laughs> that's my fault. Um, but hey, So uh, for volunteers, if we've got a web designing yeah. guru out there, uh, we would love yeah, yeah. to do a refresh. Yeah. If people want to see some TED videos, because yeah. people talk about it a lot, so sure, that's just, sure. is that TED.com? The easiest place is TED.com. The TEDx videos are on the TEDx YouTube channel. So right. you need to... You need to go to, to there to find TEDx. our particular videos. Yeah, okay, yeah. fantastic. So that's that's TEDx Melbourne, which yes. I know takes a big chunk of your time and life. Yes. But that's not how you make money. Not no. that we're measuring success via money. So yeah. you've been running Bright Star Consulting? Yes. So tell me a bit about Bright sure. Star Consulting. So, uh, look, over the last six years, I very, uh, I'm an analyst by trade. So uh, I would quantify what I felt was making an impact for our audience members and speakers while on stage. And I was just documenting it. And I worked out that there was actually a framework and I designed the framework originally to help my speakers. And in more recent times, I've been asked more and more and more, can you tell us what it is? Can you tell us what it is? Which I shared and it's basically exploded, which is great. I'm, mm. I'm loving it. So now I really work with uh, executives who need to do short effective talks is one area and another one is organizations who have teams that need to have value alignment right and so through storytelling what is the essence about what they are where are they coming from why do they choose to be in this industry and why this particular organization so okay. it helps people connect with what they're about and why they're there so I, i'm really I intrigued when it comes to giving a presentation yeah what how do you make it a success? What are the key elements that you need to make it a good presentation? Well, as I mentioned, we're always balancing the generic you know, engagement and entertainment. Um, sorry, it's education, sorry. Um, there's three aspects of an individual we're always managing. So it's you, your topic, and your audience. And then there's, and I don't have time to go through all of them, but there's nine core elements, fundamentals that I, that I get right. people to understand. Yeah, yeah. So uh, one is around topic, which is not only what you're going to say, but how is that going to be interesting to your audience? Because that's the thing. A lot of presenters will get so excited about what they want to talk about, they forget that they actually have an audience. Absolutely. And if the audience is not interested, then it's not worth it's giving very the difficult. presentation. Yeah. And then that, and that's, that's where the distinction between lesson and lecture yes. comes into it. We're not giving, it's not a TED lesson or a TED lecture. It's a TED Talk. So how do you reposition it Yeah, in that sense? Um, the audience is really important because they have an outcome that they want from coming and sitting in front of you for however long that happens to be. If it's 18 minutes, great. If, it, you know, if you're doing a professional speaker, it might be you know, 60 minutes, whatever. They have a reason to be there. And sometimes it's because their boss told you. Mm. 
but sometimes it's because they actually genuinely want to learn something. But what is it they want to learn and how do you make that easy for them to learn? Mm-hmm. So one of the keys is, I say, is imagine you're speaking to a 12-year-old. You know, smart enough to understand what you're saying, but not maybe worldly enough to understand the context of what yep. you're saying. So how do you position an idea that is easy to digest so that they could go, they could think about an idea, you could continue talking, they could come back to your talk, they could continue and they would know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And there's a real art there. So yeah. audience is really important. And then there's something that I really like, uh, which is used more by you know, performers, magicians, artists, etc., cetera, uh, around what I call pacing, the ability to generate an impact. Mm-hmm. And an impact might be one out of 10 type of, oh yeah, that's okay, to a wow type impact, which is a 10. Um, and where, where, where do you make your 10s? And I like to use a movie analogy here. So let's say it's an action movie. You might start with a nine out of 10 and you might go seven, six, one, and then seven, nine, eight, uh, sorry, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. A drama might go, you know, eight, three, four, five, three, four, five, three, four, five, seven, eight, nine, ten. And a comedy might be a bit more, more sorry, a bit less predictable. So it might go like something like seven, one, two, nine, four, one, three, nine, seven, ten. Because if a comedy is predictable, predictable, it's not funny. Correct. So the question is, where are your tens? Yeah. Where are your twos? Where are your fours? And there's nothing wrong with a two. It creates contrast for a nine. But the thing is, you can't do a talk full of twos. <laughs> true. True. Or, or full of tens because people won't miss your key, yeah, 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 miss yeah. Your key points. And that's it. It's, if you lift them up so high that they're in a ten, the whole day, it's exhausting. It is. And and they Absolutely. just they, and they won't stay with you because they're like, I, I need to be able to come away from that. Yeah. To be able to regroup it and then come Absolutely. back. I mean, you see this all the time in concerts, you know, where they'll do their, their most popular song and then, the, you know, they'll transition. They might use a ballad or some sort of an intermediary type song that's not as intense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, and, and another uh, another colleague of mine talks about how, for example, at a concert, you don't come out full steam ahead on the very first number because you've then got nowhere to go. Yeah. So, which makes sense about, you know, you might start off with a five, six, seven. So you've still got you can still go up and you can still move yeah, around exactly. So, okay, you're building an experience really, rather than yeah. informing people or educating people. And it and it really is, isn't it? It's that having that experience and being it's that journey, going on the journey, yeah. taking away a few nuggets. Because let's be honest, for any one hour presentation, there's really only three, maybe five tops key points yeah. you're going to take away. Yeah, and e- even if you had a, a thousand key points that they should remember, no one's going to remember. No them one's going to do it. But it's a bit like, um, I know, you'll go and see a fantastic comedian that made you laugh for the entire hour and you'll walk away and say, that was just so funny. And someone will say, well, what are some of the jokes? Can't remember. Mm-hmm. You know? But I know I laughed and I know yeah. I had a great time, yeah. but I can't actually remember some of the jokes in the context yeah. that they were in. Yeah, yeah. And so, so Brightstar works with organisations about how to present better, how to engage their team better, how to engage their clients better. Yeah. yeah. As well as, now tell me a bit about the, the values and the storytelling to to bring up sure. the values there. So there's an increasing need. Well, there's actually, let's go back half a step. In more recent times, some of it's because of TED, there's this expectation that when someone says something, that it's got to be interesting enough to be heard. And so we've gone from, for instance, a symphony that might have been 45 minutes down to a 30-second jingle. We've gone from books of you know hundreds of pages down to a 140 character tweet there's been no equivalent in the verbal world mm-hmm. and ted i think is beginning to be that equivalent we've gone from these 60 to 90 minute lessons or lectures or speeches 
down to these 18 minute talks. You know, my my, my favorite talks two minutes 42, for instance. You know. So what is your favorite? So talk? It's, it's actually um, his name's uh, Derek Sivers, and he's and the talk's something like I think something like weird but different. Okay. And it's about perspective. Is that about the addressing system in Japan? Yes. Yes, that is yes. grand. I'll put the link in the show notes so people Great. can actually have a look at yeah. that. Yeah. But yeah, that is a very clever and very succinctly goes. Very simple. It's same, very same but different. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the beauty of that is the essence of every new idea comes from a new perspective. Yeah. And that's the essence of TED in my in my world. Right. And so I think that's actually an underrated talk in terms of its value for mm. people to, to realize. Um, yeah. So coming back to your original question about how we connect people with their values and the strategy of the organization. There's a lot of people out there that come to work, go home, and, and don't feel really any connection with what they do. And so there's an increasing demand by people, and I was one of those people. If I wasn't connected with the place I was, I just I, I left. Mm-hmm. And it was, and I, there's an increasing need for people to maintain the engagement of their employees. So what we do is we get people to reflect on who they are, what they're about, what they stand for, what they're most passionate about. In there, there's aspects of that that made that industry interesting. And then in that, there was aspects that made working for this particular organization interesting. We help people to connect with that right. by exploring their own personal story. Yeah, cool. And then to be able to articulate what their values are and what's meaningful to them and how the organization helps them achieve that. So that's part of the aspect. But what the positive side effect is, is that there's a lot of people who discover that they've got common things in common with people that they didn't realize right. existed. Yep. And so you know, I'm working with one organization and they've decided, and it's got nothing to do with photography, but they, they're big enough to go, who's interested in photography? And they, they've got a handful of people. So the, the, the organization funds them to meet every, I think it's every month, to talk about photography. And it, it just c- utilizes their skills and, and creates a sense of community within their organization. The beauty of that is if they have any internal AGMs where they can't have, you know, where it's commercially sensitive information, they can get that photography and videography team to film and photograph that event without breaching commercial. Yeah, fantastic. You know, yeah, imperatives, but still achieve what they need to do, which is record it and share it with the rest of the organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really moving beyond just having a job somewhere where you turn up and get paid money. Yeah. To actually have, th- I've got skin in the game here. Yeah. I actually enjoy coming to work. Yeah. To the point where I'm engaged with these people, my colleagues are actually my friends. Yeah. And there is this, this tr- you talked talk before about finding a tribe. It's like yeah. making a tribe at work. Yeah, supports me and my hobbies and interests within the context of the work that I live. Fantastic. And and so so that's Bright Side. Bright Star. Bright Star. Yeah, that's all right. Um, Bright Star. So what about yep. the Slow School? So I'm just one of the facilitators for Slow School. So right. Slow School is an organization that um, is primarily focused on purpose-driven outcomes for, for workers and individuals. So rather than having a commercial or pure commercial or financial imperative as the be-all and end-all for the success of an organization, to be respectful of the people and the environment by which that organi- organization exists mm-hmm. and to be a positive contributor to the world because of that. Okay. And so it supports people who have that philosophy of life and creates resources and learnings and lessons for them and, and, and classes for them that bring only that group, not only that group of people together, but to teach them how to share and embrace and expand and realistically and viably 
build these types of organizations in their own corner of the world that right. they live in. Cool. Yeah. So uh, it sounds like you've done a lot, you do a lot, huh. and um, and I suspect you dedicate a whole lot of time to TED, yeah. and which you know it has other payoffs for you. Yeah. So, what do you wish you knew way back then that you know now yeah. that would help shortcut you to success? Oh, yeah. Embrace failure. Ah. Uh, so look. One of the most, the most common question I ask, get asked in the TED community is how have you managed to get it this size this far? Uh, and I think my, my, my honest opinion is I've probably been more willing to make more mistakes than anyone else. Right. That's, that's the first thing. The second one is embrace diversity. There is a richness and talent in people that is untapped that you don't even know about unless you ask. Right. I had one guy who was... He was just helping off on the side. And he was doing a relatively small aspect of our organization. And then I found out he was an amazing photographer, an amazing designer. Long story short, he ended up um, winning an award for a design of a poster that Ted acknowledged on their stage <laughs> and helped them rewrite the guidelines by which they should en engage with the community around the design and engagement of, of projects like this. Oh, fantastic. Wouldn't have discovered it unless we sat down and just got to know him and yeah. understood what he was interested in, what he was good at. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, so obviously, you need a lot of energy and a lot of drive mm. to achieve all, all you do. So, what, what yeah. keeps, you, what keeps uh -huh. you going? What inspires you? Energy. Well, let me put it this way. Imagine if you could get up. If you said to someone, you have to do this, your most favorite thing you love every day. You have to do it every day. You have to do it constantly and you will get handsomely paid for it, how easy is to get up in the morning? It'd be pretty easy yeah. if that was the case. Yeah, and so I spent literally the last 15 years whittling it down, everything I didn't do that, to a point where I could just, I got there. Yeah. So it was kind of the Michelangelo effect yeah, yeah, yeah. of, okay. of, of, of uh, you know, stepping, tapping the marble away until the masterpiece appeared. Right. Uh, <laughs> and look, I'm not saying I've developed a masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination, but it's certainly much more aligned to who I am, the values I have then, and what I have done in the past. Yeah. Fantastic. So what's next for John Yo? Like, you know, yeah. you've, you've got, you've done a magnificent job with TEDx Melbourne. Um, Bright Star Consulting is doing really well. It yeah. sounds like the slow school's coming along nicely. So, so what's next for you? Yeah. So everything I do is, uh, is an underlying philosophy of how to empower people to, to achieve their hopes, dreams, and aspirations, and how do you empower, how do you encourage them to do the same for others? Mm -hmm. Everything I do is built around that. So any project that I engage with, TEDx Melbourne or not, must have that as its underpinning. Everything I commit to, therefore, must align with that. So I don't. I'm lucky enough to be able to to be to have that as my line in the sand to what I'm going to engage with and not. So the advantage is I could almost go anywhere with that. Mm -hmm. But my ultimate goal, my goal, if if I'm remembered on this planet for one thing, is hopefully that people embrace that message, encouraging others, uh, encouraging people to achieve their hopes, dreams, and aspiration, and encouraging them to do the same for others. If I can embed that as a philosophy in as many people as possible, I'll consider my job done. Fantastic. And that will take a little bit of time. <laughs> I, I think that's one of those just ongoing forever yeah. forever contributing, which is But it's it's a philosophy rather than a goal. Yeah. And so it, it's, it is it's that way of life. It's like no matter what you do, it's what you're gonna yeah. do. 
Fantastic. Hey, thank you so much for your time today. Right. If people want to get in touch with you and find out more about any of the things that you're involved in and how they yes. can contribute, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Wow. Um, so, so for TEDx Melbourne stuff, I've already given you TEDxMelbourne.com. Uh, I have a, a it's, it's, it's quite ironic. Uh, my, my website, brightstar.net.au, um, is actually now out of date in terms of content. So maybe not go there, but that's about <laughs> to get updated this year. All the work that I've done, in, especially in the more recent times, has exploded so quickly that I actually haven't had time to scratch myself, yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah. And so that's one of the uh, repercussions of that. <laughs> so look, I, I'm more than happy for people to connect with me directly. You know, John Yo at J-O-N-Y-O at brightstar.net.au. Uh, my Twitter handle is at John TV, J-O-N TV. Long story there, but there's a funny one. Um it's probably the easiest way. And LinkedIn, obviously, there's, there's LinkedIn. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty easy to find on LinkedIn. Fantastic. John, thank you so much for your time today. No and uh, good luck with all the fabulous things that you're doing. Thank you, Warwick. And thank you for bringing this wonderful podcast to the world. Oh, so. It's an absolute pleasure. For I love Great. the sound of my own voice. <laughs> You've been listening to the Get More Success Show with Warwick Mary from warwickmary.com. Look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Get More Success Show with Warwick Mary. Continue the conversation with other successful people over at getmoresuccess.com. That's where you'll find all the show notes as well as a link to our Facebook group that we'd love for you to join. Getmoresuccess.com is also where you'll find all the information you need to connect with me, your host, Warwick Merry. Thanks for listening and we hope you can get more success. <laughs>